Hallelujah. This is uh, that woman's husband. He said she would have been embarrassed. So, uh, <laughs> hallelujah. Praise God. But, you know, God does so many great things. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's turn our Bibles today to 1 John 4. 1 John 4. We're going to read from four, from first verse down to the fourth verse. We're talking about the Holy Ghost and how we desperately need Him. And uh, some of the other names for the Holy Ghost that you're going to find in the Scripture is that He's called the Holy Spirit. He's called the Spirit of Grace. He's called the Power of the Highest. He is the Eternal Spirit. He is the Spirit of Holiness. He is the Comforter. He is the Spirit of Life. He is the Spirit of Faith. He is the Spirit of Glory, the Spirit of Wisdom. He is the Spirit of the Unction or Anointing. He is the Spirit of Wisdom. He's known as the Voice of God, and He's also known as the Almighty Counselor, the Almighty Counselor. In 1 John 4, 1 through 4, it says these words, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of Christ, even the spirit that confesses, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, where, whereof ye have heard that it should come and is even now already in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and ye have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you. In this passage, the Scripture reveals something, first, very unique, that you and I must be aware of, that the world is totally blind to, and sometimes the church is certainly asleep towards. It is, do not believe every spirit. We have to try the spirits. Now, when it talks about we have to try the spirits, number one, it tells us that there's more than one. There's more than one. And so the first thing we have to understand is that there are spirits that are anti-Christ. Yes. They're totally opposed to Jesus, to the gospel, to the work of Christ, to the coming of Christ, and even to the cross itself. Now, when we talk about other spirits, one of the first things that comes to my mind is false prophets. False prophets. False prophets simply are men and women that are used by the devil himself. And these are designed or orchestrated to use strategically against the church, against believers, to oppose what God would have due to them. Their main focus is to deceive the believer into thinking that what they're hearing is of God. And so when we become deceived, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, that 
why do we marvel that the devil acts and sounds like the like God himself even Satan himself makes himself or presents himself as an angel of light why not his servants in other words false prophets sound very much like the Spirit of God but greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world we can know the difference could again an amen we can know the difference and then there is the spirit of man. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 down through 13 and verse 11 in that little passage of Scripture says that what knoweth the things of man except the spirit of man? You have a spirit, and believe it or not, your spirit will mimic the voice of God in order for you to get what you desire. And sometimes we are self-deceived. Could again an amen. We say God told us when God didn't tell us at all. We say God told us and we stick to it for about a week. That tells me that's the human spirit. Because it's so flippant and so tossed to and fro, it has no power within itself. And when you start deceiving yourself, you are headed for a long line of disappointments and repentance. Amen. You're going to make a lie because you're going to say that God said it. And so that makes a lie. Then you become opposed of God because of your own deceptive human spirit. You have to know your own spirit's voice. Could I get an amen? So we're going to be talking about some of those things. And, uh, but when it talks to us that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world... We understand he's talking about the Holy Ghost. And when the Spirit of God is with us, he makes a statement that we are not to be deceived because the Holy Ghost or because God is with us. Somebody say God's with us. Now, when we talk about that, we need to understand the depth of the riches of the presence of God. David said this in Psalms. 511 David being a man after God's own heart first Samuel the 13th chapter verse 13 down through 14 he has the heart of God God has looked for a man and he's found David a little ruddy young man that's watching his father's sheep but he has a heart for God he has a heart that God can mold God can lead doesn't mean that he's a perfect young man he's filled with some pride He's filled with arrogance, but he has a heart that God foresees can be touched by him and is sensitive to him. And so the Bible says, David cries out and said, God, cast not me from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Now, David understood something. Now, this is a man after God's own heart. He rules the nation of Israel. He has killed giants. He's killed the bear and the lion. Yet, he says, God, don't take thy Holy Spirit from me. Now, evidently, David has some type of insight that you and I need to understand. Could again, get an amen? Now, when God says, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world, and you have overcome them, what God reveals to us is, David, when God gives us the Holy Ghost, 
He knows that the Holy Ghost will provide for us anything that is ever needed. Remember that he's a comforter. He's a partner. He's a player. A paraclete. He's called alongside to lift you up when you're laying down. In other words, whatever you need is transferable from the Holy Ghost to you in order for you to be successful or victorious. So having been given the Holy Ghost, then the Bible tells us you have overcome them. Every spirit that is in the world, you overcome because of the provision of the comforter or the paraclete. So you and I can be victorious in any situation. Could I get an amen? Amen. Let's go to Psalms 18 and verse 24. 24, I believe. Psalms 18 and verse 24. Here is David telling us some things about the Holy Ghost. I said 24, I'm sorry. Let's go to 27. For thou wilt save the afflicted people, but will bring them down high, down high looks. Will bring down high looks. What's this? For thou wilt light my candle. Does anybody know what the candle is? It is the spirit of man. Somebody say the spirit of man. Now, when it talks about lighting the candle, it will bring it to its full purpose or it will enable it with something that the candle does not have but needs in order to fulfill its purpose. And so there is a transference of ability from the Holy Ghost to the human spirit. And then it says this, And thou wilt light my candle, or my spirit. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. Watch this. For by thee, for by thee, in other words, he's giving credit because of the source, that when my candle is lit, which is a figuration or a typology or a symbolism of the human spirit of man, in other words, when God touches the human spirit, it says this, for by thee I have ran through a troop, And by my God, remember one of the words for Holy Ghost is God. It says, have I leaped over a wall? For as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those that trust in him. For who is God save the Lord or who is a rock save our God? It is God that girdeth me with strength and maketh my way perfect. He maketh my feet like hinds feet and setteth me upon my high places. He teacheth my hands to war so that a bow of steel is broken by mine arms. Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation and thy right hand hath holden me up and thy gentleness hath made me great. Thou hast enlarged my steps under me, that my feet did not slip. I have pursued mine enemies and overtaken them, neither did I turn again until they were consumed. I would have them, I have wounded them that were able 
so that they were not able to rise. They are fallen under my feet. For thou, somebody say, for thou, hast girded me with strength unto the battle. Thou hast subdued under me those that rose up against me. Thou hast also given me the necks of mine enemies that I might destroy them that hate me. They cried, but there was none to save them, even unto the Lord, but he answered them not. Then did I beat them and smite beat them small as the dust before the wind. I did cast them out as dirt in the street. Thou hast delivered me from the striving of the people, and thou hast made me the head of the heathen. A people whom I have not known shall serve me. As soon as they heard of me, that they may obey me, they strive, the strangers shall submit themselves unto me. Notice what David says that thou hast done. David talks about a supernatural transformation. Why is he transformed? Somebody say because of his enemies. Well, I meant everybody say that. Because of mine enemies. Now, what does that tell us? That tells us that when the Holy Ghost, David, comes into our life, when God says, you know what, you have overcome them, that's just what he means. No matter what David faced, whether he faced a stranger, whether he faced his enemy, even the strivings of people that he knew. He leaped over a wall. He ran through a troop. Listen, he did this in a supernatural way. God transformed him. In other words, when the Holy Ghost comes into our life and partners with us, he enables us to do things that we could not do on our own. It doesn't mean that we don't do anything. It means that he supplies that which we lack. Could I get an amen? Amen. So that it's by him or through him we can do these things. So let you and I make sure that we understand that we want to allow the Holy Ghost to be our strength. And now, when the Holy Ghost is living on the inside of us, we can begin to understand him, walk with him, and begin to discover who he is. We're going to look at the Holy Ghost today in the lives of people just like David that we just looked at. No matter where you're at, please listen to me. No matter where you're at, God will light your candle. No matter how you got there, God will turn your darkness around. No matter what wall you're up against, you'll be able to leap it. No matter what enemies are coming your way, God will transform who you are into what you need to be so that you can run through a troop, that you can leap over a wall so that your enemies can become those that serve you. Could I get an amen? Your enemies might be financial. Your enemies might be people. Your enemies might be a job. Your enemy might be your own self. Whatever it is, God will enable you and you will overcome them because greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. Look no further than the Holy Ghost, your comforter. Could I get an amen? Hallelujah. All right, let's look today at some of the prophets, the kings, the priests, apostles, disciples, and just simple believers that were touched by the Holy Ghost. Let's go to Matthew 4, 1 through 3. Matthew 4, 1 through 3. And it says this, Then was Jesus, somebody say Jesus, led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted 
of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came unto him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. Now, you can't go any place unless you've got another place to go. The Holy Ghost leads us. Somebody say leads us. Leads us. That word lead simply means when we are led of the Holy Ghost, we are directed of God. He shows us where to go in order to loose from where we are at. In other words, you can't go someplace unless you're loose from where you're at. Or you can't be loose from where you're at until God leads you someplace else. Too many Christians live by the River Jordan. They go no place in their life after they've received the Holy Ghost. But see, he is here to take us into areas that God can promote us, God can lead us, God can change us, God can transform us, God can move us, God can enable us, and God can empower us. See, the place of wilderness is a place of separation. In other words, you know, God can't do much when you have a hundred voices speaking into your ear. There comes a time when you just need to shut up. Just shut up. The Bible does say, be still, know that I'm God. That's why a lot of people don't know that God is God. They're always rambling, saying, God said, God said, God said. Shut up and hear what God really is saying. Amen. God is not a fortune cookie. Amen. And I, it, it bugs me when people say God said and then they come back and change what he said. God said and then they stop doing what he said. God said and they don't do what he said. And God said, in other words, you don't care what God says. You're going to do what you want to do. So don't come and tell me what God said because you aren't going to do it anyway. Moving right along. Let's get back to the good stuff. Now, it means this, that you can't be taken someplace unless you are loosed from something. So that tells me that whenever the Holy Ghost will lead us, remember, this is how God is operating in Jesus' life. As soon as he gets filled with the Holy Ghost, the work of God starts. Now, God takes him to the wilderness And he is there at a place of self-evaluation. Not only is he looking at himself, judging himself, weighing his commitment out to God. What depth am I committed to God? Why do I want to go back at home where it's safe? Why do I want to do this? Why do all of those things had to be conquered in Jesus' life in order for him to go to the next step? Amen. Amen. So when God leads us places. What he wants to do, David, is he wants to loose us from where we are. Because if we don't get loose from where we are, no matter how long we're with Christ, we'll always be the same person. So Jesus, the Holy Ghost leads us in order to loose us. Now, what does he know? He knew that the devil was waiting. Oh, I don't want to be tempted. Oh, you need to be tempted. Because you're never going to find your weak places until the pressure is on. Amen? And if you'll learn 
where the pressures are early in life, you'll be able to stop the assaults of the adversary in lots of places in your life. So when the Holy Ghost is led or leads us, he leads us into places that he knows that the enemy is going to attack us. You know, we, we, we get there and we, we get, well, I wonder what I did. I don't know why I'm here. Man, I'm hungry. I'm the, I understand all that. But those are things that need to be overcome. Because the Holy Ghost is asking you, will you be faithful to where I lead you? If you'll be faithful over little things, I'll make you ruler over many things. See, the Holy Ghost is never going to lead us someplace that we're not prepared to occupy. He doesn't just take us places in order to try us to see if we fit. No, remember that he tells us in 2 Timothy, don't lift up a novice, lest he be destroyed, and then many people around him fall. God has no desire to see you fail, but he does have a desire to see you succeed. So there may be times that God leads us into places that are very uncomfortable for us. He will lead us into places that we look like that we're not prepared for. He'll lead us into places that are uncomfortable, that seem like, God, I shouldn't be here. Why am I doing this? Well, because God has a plan that's bigger than your mind. Amen. Amen. So the Holy Ghost leads Jesus. Somebody say leads him. And he leads him to be tempted. He leads him to be tempted. But he also leads him there to be victorious. Because in the midst of the temptation, who gives Jesus what to say? The Holy Ghost. Remember, he brings all things back to your remembrance. He's working with Jesus the same way he's working with us. Why did Jesus say he'll bring things back to your remembrance? Because, I'm going to give you another comforter. He's dwelt with you, but he's going to be in you. In other words, Jesus saying, the comforter that you've seen working in me is going to be in you. So I can tell you what he's going to do because he's done it for me. When Jesus said he's going to show you things to come, he's been showing Jesus things to come for three years. He's been leading him and guiding him. So in the midst of temptation, he brings something back to Jesus' remembrance to say. Could again, get an amen. So the Holy Ghost is going to give you something to say. Matthew 10, 20 says, when you're delivered up, when you're in the pressure cooker, don't take thought of what you're going to say. It'll be the Spirit of God that gives you what to say. The Holy Ghost will anoint your mouth. Amen? And when he anoints your mouth, the Bible says, Ephesians 6, 18, that the word is the sword of the spirit. Too many of us get in a hurry and try to speak what we want to say. We just start babbling scriptures. You know, a thousand words spoken without God's directive is a thousand words wasted. It only takes one word to say, peace, and the storm still. But if you get in front of your boat and start babbling all of your scriptures, you're liable to sink before you ever reach the shore. It goes back to that first statement we made. Shut up! We don't get victory in the multitude of declarations. We get victory in an inspired declaration. Could I get an amen? Absolutely. 
Now, one thing we have to realize is that the Holy Ghost comes upon us to do many things. He takes us into the wilderness. Remember in Genesis 1-1, it says, and the Spirit of God was upon the waters and upon the earth, and God said, light be. And God said that word, and as soon as that word is released, God does what? He starts setting things in order. He starts bringing things into a divine design. Amen? Now, Jesus is the Word of God. We are born of that incorruptible Word. And when we are born of that incorruptible Word and the Spirit of God comes upon us, you know what He does? He starts setting our lives in order. He starts taking chaos out of our lives. If we will allow Him to lead us, He'll lead us into a divine order that will be productive and fruitful for the kingdom of God. That's it. So we need to allow the Holy Ghost to do what he needs to do. Amen? All right. Let's go over to Mark, the 14th chapter, and verse 13. Mark 14 and verse 13. Remember, this is the Holy Ghost. We're talking about Jesus being led... And here is another demonstration. And he sendeth forth two of his disciples. And he saith unto them, Go ye into the city, and there shall meet you a man bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him. And whatsoever he shall, wheresoever he shall go in, say ye to the good man of the house. The master saith, Where is the guest chamber. Notice the master saith, where is the guest chamber that I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he shall show you a large upper room furnished and prepared there make ready for us. And his disciples went forth, came into the city and found as he had said unto them and they made ready the Passover. What does this have to do? Jesus is being led of God. Now, he had money. We know Jesus had money. They said, oh, he didn't have where to lay his Well, he had his own house. And he did have money because the disciples said one time, well, we have 200 pence to buy bread, but where could we buy so much bread? Jesus said, yeah, you don't need money. And he multiplies the bread and the fishes. Yes, he did. 200 pence is a lot of coin. Jesus had money. He was blessed with the blessings of Abraham. He had women that supported his ministry. He really probably was getting substance from his father's house because he was the eldest of the house. So we understand that Jesus had money. He wasn't broke. Oh, well, he had to create bread and he had to do that. Well, he didn't create bread. He multiplied bread. Amen. Well, he had to get it from a little boy. So everybody had seed to sow. The little guy went away with 12 baskets full. He only come with one little weasel. He took 12 more home, probably sold them to the neighbors on the way. But here, Jesus is being led again. Amen. He's leading his disciples to a preordained place. Wouldn't you like to be at a preordained place Amen. of God? Wouldn't you like to be right where God wants you to be? Yes. Wouldn't you like to be in a place called there? Yes. Hey, here's where God wants you. Where? There. Go over there and stand. That's where he wants you. Amen. I want to be where God wants me to be. 
Now, Jesus had never met this man, but the Holy Ghost leads him. Not only does he lead him, he puts a word in his mouth to speak. Remember, we talked. Time to shut up and hear. And notice that the disciples were supposed to say to this man, they're supposed to find this man. And, of course, they say men never carried water or anything. <laughs> yeah, right. What man didn't do what his wife told him to do? Old Testament, New Testament, No Testament. It's just the way of life. Could I get an amen? And so they go and they find this guy carrying a pitcher of water. And he's carrying a pitcher of water. They find him. They said, hey, where can the master have his Passover? He didn't say, hey, we're disciples of Jesus. We need it. No, no, that's the babbling of your multitudes of your words. You got to say what God says. God's not enforcing what you say. He's enforcing what he tells you to say. Could I get an amen? amen? So we need to be still and be quiet and let God fill our mouth. Isaiah 59, 17, I believe, says, God says, I give fruit of your lips what you should say to those that are far off. That means that everybody must confess that Jesus is Lord and to those that are nigh. In other words, God tells you what to say and when you need to say it. Amen. Just listen to God. Remember, you don't get your prayers answered by hearing a multitude of babbling and you aren't going to get answers or God's not going to watch over your word because of your much speaking. Amen. We are not Pharisees. Amen. We want to hear from God. Amen. So when God puts a word in our mouth, guess what? It's a word of life. And he says, where shall the master eat the Passover? The man leads them and shows them a great upper room, and then they prepare. So what does God do? He tells you what to say. He also, David, tells you what to look for. In other words, God reveals to you who you should join yourself with. Now, wouldn't it be nice if we as parents allowed the Holy Ghost to lead us and to guide us and allow him to reveal to us the types of spirits that our children are running around with? Because your kids are going to become who they are sharpening themselves by. Amen? And if you don't allow the Holy Ghost to show you what type of spirit that kid has, he's going to end up being the type of kid that you've got. And we don't want that, do we? Absolutely not. We had a little girl one time come to our house like at 10 o'clock. They said, can Nikki come out and play? I said, come out and play. She'd been in bed for an hour and a half. What are you doing out here? Oh, my mom and dad let me. I said, well, we don't let Nikki. You get yourself home. Well, next day, guess who Nikki's not going to be friends with? Absolutely not. I'm not going to have a child raise up and expect that I'm going to let her out till 10 o'clock at night. Are you kidding me? She better be under the covers, buddy, at 9 o'clock. Amen. Amen? She said one time, well, when I get 18, I'll do what I want. <laughs> My answer to her was, I'll come to your house and saw your car in half. She said, I'll call the police. I said, now stand there with the chainsaw and say, I did it. Doesn't bother me. What matters? 
It doesn't bother me. I'm going to cut you. You are not running around like a heathen. Amen. Well, well, you know, they got a mind of their own. <laughs> Replace that mind with your mind. Who in the world lets a five-year-old kid tell them, I ain't going to church anymore. I don't, want to, I don't feel like going to Sunday school. Wait till they get time to go to work. Guess what they're going to say? I don't feel like going to work, Mommy. Your mommy say, okay, honey, that's all right. We'll support you. I don't, listen, I don't mind kids living at home. But I don't expect them to be 20, 25 years old, living at home, eating my food, driving my car, and doing nothing. That's called being married. That's my job. And there's only one place of employment in our house for lazy people. That's my place. It's already taken, son. Your mama works for me, not for you. Get them up, put them on the road. But they don't have a place to live. They'll find a place to live. They found your house. And see, some of you are offended. Well, just when do you think you're supposed to break them off the nipple? When they get 30? When, what? When, how long? How long? You, listen, folks. There's a reason that when they get 18, you buy them a one-way ticket. And then you move after you give them their ticket at the bus station. You move so they can't come home. Amen? You can't keep bringing your kids home and letting them feed off of you. They're never going to be a help in society. I hear that anger getting up. I just can't believe. Don't meddle in our lives. I'm meddling. I'm meddling. Your kids have grown up. Put them to work. Amen? Put them to work. Let them get a house. Let them get a car. Let them discover the joys of being productive in the world. Right, Phyllis? Yes. If Phyllis hadn't rescued me, I'd still be living with my mama. Not really. I probably would. You're right, Phyllis. I know I would. Don't rub it in. I would. I agree. I would. But thank God for Phyllis. She came. Hallelujah. And delivered me. Now, Jesus shows us who to join ourselves with. How many of you ever joined yourself with the wrong people? I've had my wife tell me, you know, I like his wife, but you aren't going to be friends with him. I say, I thought we were going to be a couple friends. She said, no, we aren't. I like his wife. He's a knucklehead. He affects you. You come home acting cocky. You act like you got rights and privileges. You are not running around with him. I heard you talk to me like he talked to her. You say that again, honey? There ain't going to be enough money to replace your facial features. That's a threat, David. They asked me at the hospital one time, do you feel threatened at home? I said, absolutely not. I'm terrorized. And she looked at me, you are not. I said, that's why, right there. Now, so... I don't draw my boundaries of my friends. I let my wife, because she's more sensitive, at least she tells me to. She's sensitive to other people. Not to me, but to other people. She's sensitive. Now, what if you pick the wrong person and they end up being a whoremonger and they approach your house? Don't think it doesn't happen. It happens all the time. Best friends become whoremongers. 
fornicators, wife destroyers, family destructors. Why? Because they had a lust problem and you let it in your house. You need to be careful. Amen? Praise God. That's right. You, you got to be careful. Nobody is above it. And we need to make sure that we are directed when it comes to our children. Let the Holy Ghost lead you. Amen? Let the Holy Ghost. Somebody say the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. All right? So let's let the Holy Ghost lead us and guide us. If you have something that you don't feel right when a child or a teenager or something comes in your house running around with you, please, just put a stop to it. Well, my child will get mad. You're the parent. You're not a friend. You're a parent. You get to say no without regret. Amen? All right. So we want to be led of the Holy Ghost. And then God will tell us what to say. God will tell us where to go. And God will tell us what to look for. Wouldn't that be so nice that we were directed and led of God and ended up where God wanted us so God could provide for us and promote us? Absolutely. So God will do that in our life because he did it in Jesus' life. Amen. Amen? I remember when we were building the other church. God told me, they told me I needed a sprinkler system. I said, I can't afford a sprinkler system. I told the contractor, I can't. He said, well, you'll, you'll never get a, an audience with those guys up there. I said, well, tell them I want one. And sure enough, he come back and he said, you ain't going to believe this. You got one. I said, well, good. I was up there and went up there. I didn't know what I was going to say. But I went into the bathroom. And while I was standing by the urinal, using it, not looking at it, using it, the Lord said, this man's going to come. And he showed me his face. And he was shorter than me. Immediately, I knew I had the advantage. <laughs> now, that was a miracle in itself. <laughs> he was shorter than me. And he came in, we sat down, we started talking. He said, oh, pastor, he said, here, I'm an evangelist. And gave me his card. I said, uh-oh, this is going to work out to my good. So he said, how far are you from that fire station? I said, not very soon. He said, time it, how long it would take a fire truck to get to your church. So I timed it, and we sent it back there. And he sent it back and said, you know what? We are giving him, I don't know what they call it. What is it? Yeah, an exemption. He doesn't need a sprinkler system. And that building doesn't have a sprinkler system because the firemen are supposed to get up and get out here. Now, I do believe that they would do that, maybe. But, no, I know they would be here at time. But I've seen his face. I knew what it was going to be. And as soon as I've seen his face, as soon as I saw the vision, I knew that God was on my side. Well, God can show you those things. Amen? So let's let God lead us just like he led Jesus. Amen. Somebody say, Jesus can lead me. Jesus All right. Now, let's go to, let's ask this question. How does God lead us? You ever wonder how God leads us? How does God lead us? The first one is found in John 6.63. John 6.63 the greatest way that God leads us by the Holy Ghost is found in the Scripture. John 6.63 says, The words, the Spirit, it is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. 
the words that I speak to you, they are what? And they are life. The Bible says in 1 John, the fifth chapter, that there are three that agree, the blood, the word, and the spirit. The Holy Ghost brings things to our remembrance that Jesus has said. Jesus has said things in the Scripture, right? So Jesus even projects himself or reveals himself by the Scriptures. When it says in Luke, the 24th chapter, he starts and says, and he begins to preach all of the Scriptures concerning himself from from Moses and all the prophets he preaches to confirm, this is me. So if you really want to hear from God, the first thing you want to do, somebody say the first thing, is search the Scriptures. Don't be lazy. Search the Scriptures, and the Holy Ghost will begin to speak to you. But if you try to get something, really, without doing your homework in the Scriptures, you're going to find yourself in trouble. If you search for Jesus outside of the Scripture, you're going to find a devil. If you search God's will outside of the Scripture, you're going to find trouble. Could I get an amen? Amen. If you search for God's voice outside of the Scripture, you're going to find yourself in a dilemma. Look, spend time in the Scripture first. Jesus said that man lives by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Amen? Amen? So let's make sure. When Jesus went to the uh, synagogue, on the day of his revelation of who he was, what did he do? He took the scripture, he took the book, he found Isaiah 61, and he read it. And he said, this day is this scripture fulfilled. And every time they said, well, are you the one? He'd say, search the scriptures, for in them you will find me. So Jesus uses scriptures to verify that he was the son of God. So we as Christians, if we want to be led of God, we need to listen to what God is saying to us through the Scripture. Not every voice. The Bible said there are so many voices, 1 Corinthians 14, 10, and every one of them has a purpose, and every one of them has a threshold. In other words, you open the door by the voices that you listen to. And so the first thing we want to do, somebody say, hear the Scriptures. Just Look up the scriptures and see what God is saying. Remember, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Remember, Jesus said, I do nothing except I hear or see my Father do it. Where did he look for the Father? In the scriptures. In the scriptures. That's where he found his purpose. And that's where he found God's voice. Amen? So the first time, first thing that we do if we want to be led of God, search. Somebody say search the scriptures. The second way are dreams and visions. Let's go to Job. No, no, let's go to Acts 2.16. Acts 2.16. This is the way that the Holy Ghost is using people today. Acts 2.16, and it says this. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. 
And it shall come to pass in the last days. Somebody say the last days. We are in the last days right now. We have been in the last days for over 2,000 years. People say, oh, it's the last days. It's, the last. it's been the last days since prophet Joel started being fulfilled. Hallelujah. Saith the Lord, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Now, dreaming dreams, seeing visions, are a sign of the presence of the Holy Ghost. Could I get an amen? All right, let's go to Job now, 33 and verse 14. Dreams and visions. Now, not every dream is of God. And it says, for God speaketh once, yea, twice, yet man does not perceive it in a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falleth upon men and slumbereth upon the bed. Then he openeth the ears of men and sealeth their instruction. So this is a part of the leading of God, the instruction of God for man. And it says this, next verse, that he may withdraw man from his own purpose. Now, do you see why it's important to hear what God is saying and not what you are saying? Because he has a purpose. And hide pride from them. Pride from them. And he keepeth back his soul from the pit and his life from perishing by the sword. Now that tells us why lots of people fall into their own problems. The pit. They get there because they're always finding their own purpose. God said this. God said that. God said this. God said that. I understand that. I, I understand what you're saying. But it's the scriptures that speak to us. We don't need to hear all the time the audible voice of God, which I believe in. But I don't believe that God speaks to you every 10 minutes and your life never changes. Remember, you shall live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And if God's bubbling out all the time, your life should be abundant. But just looking at it, no. I mean, we have to be honest with people. We have to be honest with ourselves. Sure. Amen? Amen. One, one time I was raised in the church of God, and, and I seen one guy do something, so I did it. And then I did it the second time, did it the third time. God said, why are you doing that? I said, well, that's the Holy Ghost. He said, no, it's not. That's that guy. Stop it. Oh, okay. Kind of like Phyllis telling me, don't kiss me in the air. I hate that. <laughs> so we want to hear from God. Amen? Somebody say dreams and visions. Dreams and visions. So we have dreams. What is a dream? It's a night vision. It's where God opens up our understanding. That's what a vision does. A vision bypasses the intellect and the reason of man and penetrates into a part of the soul of understanding. You see. You understand. You become aware of. Now you know. Now that happens by vision. Now, let me tell you something about visions. Visions are open-eyed. In other words, Phyllis, I could be 
standing here and I could see a vision. I would see a picture. I would see something like a dream. Now, I don't know how it all works, but I know that I would see that. And so, I would say, you know, God just showed me in a vision. Now, visions sometimes are not five minutes long. Sometimes they're just a glimpse of something. Somebody can speak a word and you can understand what they wanted, right? Like I could tell you, go, you would understand. Get out of here, right? One word would expand. When God shows you a glimmer of a vision, accept it, act on it, ask God to explain it to you, interpret it, and then act on it. Just act on it. Remember, Randy fell one time. He was on a ladder in his house, and he had this glimpse of himself falling. He said, huh, that's unusual, and he kept working. About five minutes later, boom, he fell, and he called me and said, hey, I remember you telling me about visions. I just had one. I said, what was it? He said, I was going to fall. I said, well, did you change things? He said, no, I fell. I said, well, stupid. He said, that's what I thought. So sometimes visions are just a glimpse, and people many times would just brush it off. No, as long as you are seeing something, God's showing you something. And so there is an open-eyed vision where you're just standing, sitting, moving, going through life, whatever it might be, a grocery store, and you would see a picture. A picture is worth a thousand words. So in that picture, in that vision, you would see something, and God could speak a thousand words to you. Amen? All right, so just allow God to do that. You can't force it. Just allow God to do it. And then there is what is known in Acts, the 10th chapter, a trance. A trance is where you come up out of your body. Your body is still alive. All of your uh, senses are still connected Yet you are disconnected, and you're caught up, and there are things shown to you. Now, I've had that happen to me, standing beside people, just taken up. I'd look down, and i think, there's my body. And I would still be talking, and I'd be in this trance. And I'd be separated from my body, and God would be showing me things. Then I come back down, and whether it's relevant to them or not, then that means whether I would share it or not. But usually it takes time, as it did Peter, to process the information. And so we know that dreams, visions, and trances are for today. Amen? Are for today, and we need to believe in them, fellas. We need to believe what God is showing us, what God is saying to us. And so we need to believe that God's going to use us in dreams and visions. Could I get an amen? If you're dreaming, then please dream and get the interpretation. Don't run to me because I have a problem myself getting my own. And I only say I have that. I'm kidding you. But everybody, if God gave it to you, he owes you the interpretation. If you come to me, I might tell you what I think it means. You end up in the Sahara Desert. (laughs) Digging for mushrooms. That's not going to happen. But if you come to me, you came to the wrong person. I didn't give you the dream. I didn't give you the vision. Could have given an amen. What was it? So-and-so has that gift. I know that, but so-and-so also has so-and-so. 
and so and so can get mixed up with the interpretation. Look, if I'm going to go out on a limb, I'm going out on my own faith. I'm not going out on somebody else's. Could it get an amen? Amen. I, I'm, I'm not going to somebody. Hey, Dr. Oblue, what do you think about this? Well, I think this. Pat. I ain't going out there. I'm going out there if God says. And if he gives me the interpretation. Could I get an amen? All right. So we want to make sure that we interpret dreams. We interpret uh, trances and, as Peter did, and that we interpret visions. Take time. The Bible says that God will speak in an unknown tongue, but pray that there would be an interpreter. Just ask God for the interpretation. Well, what if I don't get it? Wait. Well, what, but what if I don't get it? Wait. Well, what if I don't get Wait. Didn't the Bible said, whatsoever you ask in my name, he will give you? Yes. Okay, just wait. If it takes a month, two months, three, that's okay. You're going to be right on time with God. Amen. Amen? Amen. Don't force it. Praise God. Too many of us try to force the birth of something. If it don't work, we get a C-section. Just wait. It kind of goes in the same category. Shut up. Shut up and wait. What two great spiritual words. Wait. 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 And he'll speak. Amen. All right. So we know that God speaks in dreams and in visions. And the first and primary way God speaks is by his word. Somebody say by his word. All right. Now let's go over to Psalms 34 and verse, I'm sorry, 37 verse 4. Psalms 37 verse 4. Nobody has to, anybody have a wedding today? Okay, good. All right. Anybody going to die today? Okay. All right. Just checking for appointments. All right. It says this. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give you, give thee the desires of thine heart. Next verse. Commit thy way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Those two verses kind of go together. Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Amen. Now, I know the first thing that we think, a new motorcycle, <laughs> a new swimming pool, hallelujah, a new wife. No, we, we, when he gives us the desires of his heart, it doesn't just mean what we want. Now, I'm sure that you can wrap that in there, but I don't just desire things to get God to be my servant. I want to desire the things that he wants me to desire. So, if I delight myself in the Lord, guess what? My desires become his desires. And then what does that do? That causes me to be led by the desires that God has put in my heart. And then as soon as I get a desire, I just commit it unto the Lord. I'm going to tell you an awful story. So don't get mad. I was learning to play golf. I'm not a master. I'm still learning. But I was playing golf, and uh, everybody around me was playing ping golf clubs. 
Now, this might not be important to you, but just listen. And uh, in a service, I was sitting on the end of the pew like this. And I was in a church service. I wasn't preaching or anything. I was just there. And the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to buy ping golf clubs. I said, devil, get behind me. This is church. <laughs> now, now the, and, and I did. I said, devil, what is wrong with you? My body, you stop it. I said, I don't want them ping clubs anyway. And I heard it again. He said, I want you to buy ping clubs. And I said, well, God, if that's you, you're going to have to give me 700 bucks because that's how much they cost. So service got over, and I was just standing there, and people shaking my hand. A guy come up and said, hey, Pastor Dosak. I said, yeah, yeah, man. Most le least likely looking guy ever in the, in the congregation. Look, and he says, here, the Lord told me to give you this $700. And I said, oh, son, you, are you sure? He said, yeah, I was sitting back there, and God told me to give you this $700. I said, give me that, I'll tell you. <laughs> and I went out and I bought pings. And I started getting better. Ping, I found out ping was a Christian company. But God wanted me to play with pings. So when you get to heaven, you know what kind of clubs you're going to play. You're going to play pings. Now that's a true story. Oh, well, pastor, I don't believe. I know it, but I got the clubs. And I got the 700 bucks. <laughs> it, yeah, I, I didn't want those. But God had a desire for me. He knew more than I knew. Look, they're the most forgiving club. And the way you're playing, you need it. So I got ping clubs. Now, I'm not advertising for ping, but if God speaks to you, I would go ping. Amen? And if he speaks to you now, it takes $1,400 for a set. So anyway, now, but, now God gave me the desire of my heart. Now, one thing, Randy, when you want something in life, don't rush out and get it. Wait. Trust the Lord. Begin to let him verify the desire instead of listening to yourself. Because every ma magazine that comes in my house has a voice in it. You need this. You need this. You need I think, yes, I do. Fellas, we need that. No, we don't. Yes, we do. She said, we already got three of them outside. Oh, okay. No. Don't you ever find things that you want when a catalog comes? You can move your head. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's good. That's good. <laughs> now, God gives us the desires of our heart. Somebody say desires of our heart. All right. Now, let's go to uh, Acts 9. Acts 9. And we're going to start at verse 3. I told you I do believe. And most people don't. I believe in the audible voice of God. I remember one time I was going to a church when God called me into the ministry. I was in the living room, and I was worshiping. And I was kneeling at the couch, and I was praying. And the Lord said, I want you to preach the gospel. I turned around. I thought somebody was there. It was an audible voice. And so I told Phyllis, and she cried for a week. And uh, finally, I just jumped on her and cast the devil out of her. You devil, come out. For a week, she cried because we knew what pastors went through. Her dad had been a, a pastor for several years. Her brother was a pastor. And uh, 
we just knew that, I thought, boy, oh boy, worn out jeans and T-shirts and three people. I thought, that's going to be a bad way to live. But, I, so I called my pastor to my house. Not, not Pastor Samuel Thomas. And uh, the pastor, I was going to church there. And uh, I told him, I said, uh, I was in this room and God talked to me. He said, do what? I said, God talked to me. He said, God don't do that anymore. I said, why? Did he lose his voice? He said, no, God don't talk in an audible voice anymore. I said, well, I'll tell you what. Somebody was in this house. Now, he was invited for supper. He never stayed for supper. But I said, somebody talked to me in this room. He said, well, it wasn't God. Well, I said, well, I know it was God. So that kind of put a strain on the relationship. Phyllis went to that church. I went to another church. I was right and she was wrong. Now, and here it says this. And as he, Paul, saw, journeyed, he came near Damascus. And suddenly there shined around about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice. Somebody say a voice. voice. Saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And Saul said, Who art thou? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembled and was astonished and said, Lord, what wilt thou have me do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Then after that, here we have an audible voice. And if you go on down, it says, Some men heard a sound, but didn't hear it clearly. Why? Because God is speaking to you, not to everybody else. Amen? That's why you can be in a congregation. Somebody could say, God just said. Well, if God just said, he's speaking to you, not to everybody else. Then after that, Ananias gets, God speaks to him in a vision, and Ananias goes up, lays hands on Paul, and Paul gets filled with the Holy Ghost. So the audible voice is a part of the New Testament. And it is spoken to us right here in this scripture. And so we need to believe it. Amen. Amen. We need to believe that God speaks in an audible voice. Now, please, all you want to do is seek God. Let God choose which way he talks to you. Amen. All right. And then in another, let's go to Acts, the 16th chapter and verse 16. And then we'll, we got just one more after this. So bear with me. Look at your neighbor and say, take a deep breath. Put in a tic-tac. All right, chicken is still going to be there. And it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. And the same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Free advertisement. You would have thought Paul was happy with that. And it said, but this she did many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said unto the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. 
And when her master saw that the hope of their gain was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them unto the marketplace and unto the rulers. Then we know the rest of the story. They got thrown into the inner prison. What does that mean that Paul was grieved? Now, when we talk about this, sometimes people would think that this is new agey, but it's not new agey. It's God. Remember, God lights the candle of man. The spirit of man, God enlightens. He gives understanding, direction to his spirit. So that's the inward part of man. That's the inward part of man that God is speaking to. What it means is this. It means, uh, let me say it this way, maybe you'll catch it. You ever had a feeling that you just knew that you knew? It wasn't in your head. You just had a gut feeling that something wasn't right. Or you should go one way or another way. Some people would call it intuition. But it's really not intuition. It is the leading or the voice or the nudging or the stirring of the inner man. And that's coming from the Spirit of God. Now, you might just feel troubled. You might feel like, I don't have peace about this. That's telling you that you don't need to do it. It might be a time thing. It might be a person thing. might be a lot of things. But if you don't feel right about it, don't do it. Amen. Just stop. Paul was grieved, troubled. Peace left him. He had an intuition. This is not God. And he moved on that leading of the Holy Ghost and cast that devil out of that woman. And the devil came out and they got thrown in jail. But that was an inward witness. Now, we don't practice that near enough. Near enough. We need to be still and know that he's God. Give God time. One of the characteristics of the devil, false prophets, manipulation, and people twisting the truth is you're the only way, you're the right way, everybody else is wrong, and I need it now. But the Bible says, if you have something, bring it to the Lord, John 3.19, John 1.19, bring it to the Lord that it can be manifest whether it's God or if it's not. When people start demanding that they're the only way, they're the right way, and you don't have time to judge and you don't have time to choose, or maybe God's just not leading you their way. That doesn't mean that they're the devil. But it does mean there's something going on and they're trying to force you into their box. Amen. Amen? It's just wrong. Amen. Hallelujah. Which leads me to the next one. These are the offices that we have. And this, we are led by offices or by the gifts of God. One of the offices that is major, that leads people because of their proclamation and their established validity in a church or in a community is the office of the prophet. Let's go to Acts 21 and verse 10. This is the last one we're going to talk about. Most controversial one, but... Now, let me say this. Prophecy does not make somebody a prophet. Amen. Could it get an amen? amen? Prophecy edifies, comforts, and exhorts. So it doesn't make somebody a prophet because you prophesy. And then prophets 
are national or they're geographical. In other words, I'm the pastor to those that are members of Only Believe Ministries Christian Center. Now, people call me pastor out of respect, but they are not subject to my form of doctrine or what this church believes. Now, they are based and subject to the credentials or the fruit of the believer. But I don't have a voice in someone's life that does not attend here. But I am pastor of those that do attend here. Could again, amen. amen. Now, people call me pastor, but I'm not really their pastor. One lady said, oh, you're my pastor. I said, that's nice. I haven't seen you for months. She said, well, you are. <laughs> I said, yeah, right. I'm not her pastor. No. I'm a convenient place for her to establish her identity as a Christian. Sure. I'm not her pastor at all. She doesn't attend here. I can't be your pastor and you don't attend here. Amen. 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 Now, so let's just use Tim Bagwell. Tim Bagwell is a prophet of our church, but he's not the prophet of the church down the road. And in America, we don't have a national prophet. I'm just telling you, most people that call themselves prophets are disallowed in about three weeks because what they say just doesn't come to pass. And what they say is only based on what they teach. Oh, that's a stinker. That, that one just sucks. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not supposed to. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that word. Uh, it's just not right. You can't manipulate people Amen. by prophecy Amen. and declaring, thus saith the Lord. If you want to train, transform, and lead people, preach the word. Amen. If it comes to pass, great. But don't try to make everybody believe what you believe. That's the word's place. Amen? And so there is a lot of stuff that goes on in the kingdom under the name of prophecy or prophets that simply is nothing but flesh. That's why we have no national prophets. Have you heard anybody stand up and repeatedly speak the direction of our nation and what's going to happen? I'm not talking about 20 years from now. How about three days from now? How about saying, this is what God's going to do. God's disappointed at the White House. It's going to become a broken down house. In three days, a tornado will come through it and rip it to the ground. And I will raise up a new place of leadership in America. Until that happens, a prophet is not going to be a prophet. Now, I prophesy in the next hundred years there will be a woman president. <laughs> now, does that make me a prophet? That makes me an idiot. So I joined the club of many. And, and, I, and I do not apologize. I wish we had a national prophet. But it's going to take more than just these little shenanigans that these people pull. You want to have a prophet that a nation and a government is going to come to? Then let them speak as the oracles of God. Amen. But let them be quiet when they have not even heard of God. Amen. Or at least heard from God. Amen. So, prophets are geographical. That means their influence is geographical. 
That means if a man is a prophet for the church down the street, he doesn't have influence over me. Now, Brother Bagwell comes in and he speaks something into my life. I give him respect and I become servant to certain things that he says because over the years he has proved himself faithful and what he has said has come to pass. So, a prophet can be geographical and that's how it is. Uh, someone be a prophet in another place but not a prophet here. Now, a prophet can speak something like in Acts 21. Can I have that on the screen? And it says, And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet. Somebody say a prophet. prophet. Named Agabus. And when he was coming to, when he was coming to us, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Holy Ghost. I'm sorry. So now we know that God through the Holy Ghost, does use this office. And so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when we heard these things, both we and they that of that place besought him not to go to Jerusalem. Now, the end of the story is you can't forbid what God has declared. Paul submits to it. But if you go up into the first uh, eight, or nine verses of chapter 21, there were some disciples that prophesied to Paul that he was not supposed to go to Jerusalem. Now, see, those were false prophets. They were trying to manipulate Paul because they thought he shouldn't go. They weren't true prophets. See, you can't let people manipulate you. Be honest. I've had people say stuff to me, and I'd think, I'll be glad when this is over. Because I knew it was a lie. I don't, they were prophesying for the crowd, but they weren't prophesying for God. Now, it sounded good. People come, oh, man, what a great word. It means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. Know if it's true or not. Let the Spirit bear witness with it. If it is, then let God lead you into it. Don't go and start a ministry. Amen? Let, let's just wait on God. So those are six ways that God will lead us. Somebody say, God will lead us. Let's let God lead us, Randy. First is the Word. Amen? We want to make sure that we give a base of the Word. Let's stand our feet today. Hallelujah. So Jesus was led of the Holy Ghost. God's going to lead us. Say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I give now the Holy Ghost his rightful place to lead me, to guide me. I will follow that I will be at a divine place, the appointed place, my God place. I believe, God, that you will transform me, change me, enable me, and empower me to go from there. Lead me, Holy Ghost. Open up my ears, my eyes, my heart. Come and speak. Lead me in Jesus' name. Holy Ghost, we desire right now that you would come and move in the midst of us. Transform us and change us in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands up and just worship Him. God, we thank You for the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, we thank You that You are leading and guiding us, that You are speaking to us in the secret places of our heart, that, Holy Ghost, we can move with confidence to know who we are to join ourselves with, know what to say and when to say it, what to speak and what to ask, what to look for, so that we can be confident that we are in the right place and in the place that God has ordained us to be. Lead us, Holy Ghost. Just come and lead us, Holy Ghost. Lead us to the areas of jobs and family, spouses, friends and relationships. Lead us, Holy Ghost. Lead us, lead us, that Jesus will be glorified. Hallelujah. 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 Father, we thank you. We thank you, God, that the Holy Ghost is visiting people in dreams and in visions. That he's speaking to us. That God, even today, the prophets speak a sure word to our life. That God, you are leading us and guiding us. That we have that inward knowing this is God. God, we know that you are the same today, yesterday, and forever. You speak in a voice, an audible voice that no one can deny. God, lead us. We are your people. Lead us that the Holy Ghost will have greater influence and reign in our life. Let him take our lives and present it to you in a way that you are pleased with. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.